Hey everyone, a quick programming note to round out the year. I'm going to be playing some of our most listened to episodes so you can hear the amazing content from our great guest again. Thank you to everyone who's listened to the show and all the support you've shown. It's truly appreciated. And now, on with the show. The Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast features people from the real estate community sharing real stories about their struggles, pains, and even losses during their own real estate journey. We share these real experiences so you can learn from them and build a successful journey of your own. Now, here's your host, Cody Lewis, one of the managing partners at Vindu Capital, located in Charleston, South Carolina. Welcome back to the show, everyone. I'm excited to have all of y'all, but I'm even more excited to have our guest on today. She is the founder of Agent invest jennifer beetles jennifer thank you so much for joining us today how are you hey cody thanks so much for having me i am doing really really well yeah well thanks for joining us and and spoiler alert for everyone uh jennifer is overseas in one of my favorite places in the entire world so we're super fortunate to have her but i'm very jealous of where she's at right now but uh on that kind of mindset jennifer you don't mind for those that may be hearing your name or voice for the first time hopefully not uh, but if they have, if it is, tell us a little bit about where you're from, how you got into real estate and what kind of real estate you find yourself in these days. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm originally from Seattle, Washington. So the Pacific Northwest, I got started in real estate in 2007, which I thought was a really great time to get started. The market was going up, um, you know, bought my first house as 21 years old at the time. And it was the cheapest house that I could find. It was a complete fixer upper, but it was zoned multifamily. And so I kind of had this uh, idea that maybe I'd buy this house, tear it down, build some multifamily and just, you know, get into real estate. Right. And then 2008 happened. And unfortunately, my great plan, I actually, um, you know, in 2008, I bought another property. So, you know, 22 years old, had three units, um, 2008 hit and everything changed. Right. And so, um, so yeah, at the time I was actually working for a builder developer. And so again, not necessarily the best time to be in real estate. Um, and we kind of had to na- navigate some muddy waters there, but, uh, I, you know, I just, I really stuck through it. And so I ended up getting my real estate license so that I could get access to properties, um, in 2009. And at that point I had, I think I had my license maybe for six months and I ended up selling six houses on the side. And these are primarily to investors. Um, so I've always kind of had this, you know, I'm, I'm systems and processes. I love numbers. I love money, <laughs> making money and passive income. And so I kind of carved this niche out for myself as an investor agent in the Seattle area. And my intention was if I can make money as a real estate agent, helping other investors buy properties, I can learn from them and then start to use some of that commission income to put towards the down payment on buying properties. So again, at that time in the Seattle area, I would say actually for the first two years, I don't think that I sold any like traditional sale where there was like equity. Everything was either a short sale or a bank owned. Sure. And so I kind of got a, a crash course on distressed properties. I was even buying at the courthouse steps. So I learned a lot about foreclosure auctions and kind of how, how that works. And then I started getting into building a development also because of my background and doing that, you know, in years prior and, uh, and really, yeah, just, just kind of tried to do as much as I could as a young person uh, with, with the money that I had. I discovered the Burr strategy, though, in 2012, and that kind of opened up everything for me. Prior to that, I, I didn't really know how investors were continuing to scale up because it was like, well, you know, if I live in a house for a year and then move out 
and rent it out, I, I can do that a couple of times. But then at some point, the underwriter is going to say, yeah, you can't just keep, you know, buying these house hacks. You're, you're essentially, you know, building a rental portfolio here. You're going to need to put 20% down. And, you know, in Seattle, it, it's not a cheap market. I mean, the, the average price point even back then was, you know, maybe like 200000 And so trying to figure out a way that I could continue to, you know, build up my portfolio without not having to save up all this money, you know, save up 50 grand or, you know, whatnot. Discovered the Burr strategy, started doing that. Again, helping a lot of investors. And, and really, that was just kind of my, my early start. Um, so these days, not a whole lot has changed. Really, you know, looking at value add, primarily multifamily, small multifamily is kind of my bread and butter. I've got, you know, a 200 unit that I'm a general partner on, but I've got mostly, you know, some triplexes, fourplexes, sixplexes, eightplexes in about five different states right now. But really just that value add multifamily, two bed, one bath, you know, B class properties is really what helped me achieve financial freedom. And so, Cody, you mentioned, you know, here I'm, I'm overseas. My family and I have actually been traveling uh, in Europe. Now we'll, we'll be going on 60 days uh, later this week. And so, you know, it took a lot of work to get there, but, uh, but yeah, we just, you know, have continued to really search out these great deals and markets all across the country. Now we obviously expanded outside of Seattle and, and that's kind of what we're doing today. I mean, we're, we're probably, even though we've achieved financial freedom a couple of years ago, you know, I, I just love the game. I love the opportunity to, you know, find a, a kind of a diamond in the rough, you know, something maybe that needs a little bit of work where we can put some money into increase the rents, which of course forces appreciation, makes the property worth more. And so we're still, you know, these days writing about maybe five offers a week or so. Interesting. Well, well, thank you for sharing that. And I think um, we're all searching to be where you are, right? That financial freedom and, and whatever our aspirations, whether it's you know, traveling globally or whatever, we're all aspiring to be where you are today. And I think it's undervalued what you mentioned in that you you said you have a kind of a niche with with some of the small multiplex opportunities. I don't think enough people understand the value of being in some niche stuff. And if you can really own some of those spaces, it opens up a lot of doors. But we brought you on today as much success as you've had uh, and enjoyed. And that we're, like I mentioned before, that we're all chasing. I would imagine there's been some challenges along the way and would love for you to educate myself and our audience as well on some of the things that you've gone through and what we can learn from. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the most notable point is me getting started when the economy was essentially at its worst point and it was like a 75 year economic storm. And so you know, there was a mental shift. Um, so when, even when my husband and I were buying properties, so keep in mind, you know, Cody, you know, we were obviously buying in 2007, you know, and then 2008, and then continuing to invest, even though properties were going down in value. And so, you know, think it's probably hard to kind of wrap your mind around for anyone that's just gotten started the last couple of years, but imagine buying an investment property, you know, putting the money down or, or you know, if it was a burr and then having it be worth less in like three months after you bought it, right? And we actually had friends and family say, why are you investing in real estate? Don't you realize that prices are going down? Or we had some people say, well, shouldn't you wait until the market hits rock bottom? Well, <laughs> certainly if I had a crystal ball and knew when market would hit rock bottom, I would just wait and buy then. But we don't know, right? We, we actually don't know that you've hit rock bottom until prices start going back up, right? And so unfortunately, then you miss all the opportunity of, you know, buying essentially in the dip and then riding the wave. And now, I mean, I work with a lot of investors. Uh, we have a, a coaching program for investors, kind of helping them get into different markets across the U.S. And it's really interesting. A lot of investors say, I didn't have the courage 
to invest back when you did because I thought it was a bad investment because real estate was going down. And so, Cody, you know, when, when we're talking about investment real estate, I think the big thing to note is there is a big difference between, you know, traditional residential, a home that you live in and a property that you're investing in for future, you know, appreciation and also the income streams that you're getting, you know, throughout. And so even those properties that were going down in value after we had purchased it, like one, for example, is a single family house. We bought it for 210,000 in 2009. It was cash flow. Uh, it, it was basically actually break even. And um, which is another lesson I'll share about. And I would say within two years, it went down to 150,000. And, and that was tough. That was kind of a, a tough pill to swallow. And even yeah. my, my husband at, at one point kind of questioned, like, are you sure we should continue to buy properties? Because how long is it going to take us to get even back to what we bought it for? Interesting, though, you know, that house now, sadly, we sold it. Uh, so we sold that in 2017. But if we had kept it today, it would be worth probably about 425000 Wow. And so... The, the next thing that I've learned that I want to share with everyone is in real estate, you buy and hold, right? I mean, I mean, like as simple as it is, um, no matter what the, the market is doing, if you hold on long enough, you, you know, you, you'll hit the next cycle, right? And so we have been in this, you know, upswing of prices, this, you know, massive appreciation over the last, you know, I would say, gosh, you know, five, six years, and, and even in the last 24 months, you know, has really gone up in value, but that doesn't mean that there's not great deals out there. The thing is though, is you need to be looking at the potential revenue streams for that investment and value it based on those revenue streams, right? And so, so, so number one was kind of having that mental shift. And I think for a lot of investors right now, the mental shift is actually, I think a lot of people are, are sitting on the sidelines waiting for the market to crash. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I don't know that that's going to happen. I don't think that we're going to see another 2008 um, at least, you know, as much as properties had dropped at that point. But I think that there's missed opportunities for newer investors who are just getting started because if you're looking, if you're waiting on the sidelines for the best deal, but you've not done a deal, in order to gain the experience to do these great deals, you need to just get in the game. And so, you know, Cody, my, my, I, I had mentioned two properties and then that other property. So actually it was my took me four deals, four investment property purchases before I was able to buy anything that cash flowed. Wow. And so my next lesson, the reason why is I had no set criteria. And so it was kind of like, you know, when you have no target, obviously it, it, it's, it's challenging. You're just not going to hit a goal. And so, um, you know, it took us four tries to finally say, okay, we should probably analyze these deals through, you know, a calculator or through a, you know, okay, well, what's the vacancy rate going to be? What's our CapEx? What's our, you know, maintenance and expenses and things? Because prior to that, most investors, at least in the Seattle area, were not buying for cash flow. So in 2007, the idea, the name of the game was, well, you buy, and then in 10 years, the price will be double. Right. So sure, it might break even, or sure, you might pay a couple hundred dollars a month to own this investment property. But in 10 years, you're going to, you know, essentially the, the value will be doubled, right? Right. And so I think the next thing is, I think sometimes investors get too overly optimistic about future appreciation. So again, for me now, I only buy for cash flow. Now, if I can do a really good job on operations, especially on the multifamily side, then um, I can force appreciation, right? So by increasing rents, reducing expenses, you know, really focusing on driving up that NOI, then the properties are naturally going to be worth more. 
And yeah. same thing also, you know, I had mentioned I focus on B class assets. I've seen a lot of investors lose a lot of money in D class, right? Because they're investing in what they think is a good performer, right? And so they're seeing these, you know, maybe nine cap, 10 cap or higher, but they're missing out that that it's not necessarily a great neighborhood or a great area where they can force that appreciation or get rent growth. And so um, fortunately, I haven't bought any, you know, properties, decline, like I, I've done a good job of um, kind of focusing on the B class, but there's specific markets that investors need to look at too and, and be mindful of. So like, for example, I have a duplex in Indianapolis and cash flow is great. Property has gone up in value, but the rents are exactly the same today as what they were when I bought it six years ago. So unfortunately, in certain markets, you're not going to get as much rent appreciation, right? And so that's something that I like to look at um, kind of historically over, you know, maybe the last like five to seven years is what does the rent appreciation look like in these markets? Because now I really want to make sure that I'm getting into markets where my cash flows are improving over time, right? In addition to the, the appreciation going up. Well, and and what I'm hearing, and correct me if I'm wrong, is there's not always, there's never really a, a quote bad time to get into real estate because to your point, we don't have a crystal ball. Uh, you mentioned 08 and 09, but I, I also heard you mention selling in 2017. You know, who knew in mm-hmm. 2020 and 2021 that the inventory would have been so low that prices would have skyrocketed. So mm-hmm. we don't know on either sides of the pendulum where we're going to be at. But what I think I hear in what you're saying for those that are maybe waiting on the sidelines, looking to jump in or, or holding off on that next venture, maybe scaling or buying the next one, understand how you calculate your numbers mm-hmm. and, and and trust the numbers. Do Absolutely. the research on the markets, the, the, the asset itself, all that stuff, but trust the numbers. Don't just fall in love with real estate or, or what you're mm-hmm. seeing or hearing in the news or, or research. Like, Look at what you know to be true, whether it's cash flow or forced appreciation, and does it work? Am I, am I kind of summing absolutely. that up? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, I say do the math and the math will tell you what to do. And so I think for investors, though, I am seeing a lot of people who maybe are looking in their, you know, in their own backyard and saying, okay, well, the deals don't make sense. So right again, I come from Seattle, Washington. The deals stopped making sense for me in about 2016, which is when I, I was faced with the decision. Either I buy deals that don't meet my core criteria or I go outside my local market. And so um, I think a lot of investors are feeling this as well. Okay, if I can't find the deals or if it's just not reasonable <laughs> in my own backyard, then the next question is, well, then where can I find these deals? And so we get deals from... A lot, of, a lot of different sources. I mean, agents, wholesalers, brokers, kind of, you know, kind of all over the place, maybe about uh, 125 to 175 a month. And so we're analyzing a lot of deals, you know, looking at a lot of different markets. And there are great deals out there right now. You know, one, I bought a, a sixplex. It was B-class built in 1995 for 415. Rents are 4650. So still a little bit on the low side. Tenants pay all utilities. And then my appraisal came in at 530. So, you know, I would say that's a double, Right. But again, in this market. And so I think a lot right. of investors need to kind of think about what opportunities are out there. Obviously, that that market also, too, was really great. If the population has increased by 50% over the last 17 years, rents have gone up. I think that market's about like 12% year over year. So my expectation of, you know, where the rents are today, next year, they're probably going to go up, you know, at least maybe 10%. So don't be afraid to go outside of your local market. I think investors think, again, you know, a lot of people that I talk to that stay in Seattle say, well, it's more risky 
going out of state. And in my opinion, there's more risk buying a marginal deal or a deal that doesn't cash flow in your local market because you're afraid to invest out of state. Right. right? And so, um, so yeah, to your point, Cody, I think it's really important to know your numbers and then also get into markets that make sense for the long term. Yeah, no, I, I love that. And I, I think to your point, understand what type of risk you're willing to take on and help mitigate that risk. So if you are looking to invest out of market, you know, we've heard a bunch on this show, you know, you can joint venture with somebody that does have boots on the ground or go put your boots on the ground and do your research, spend time in that Mm -hmm. market, fly, drive there frequently and and get to know the area before you invest. I mean, the numbers will tell you one thing, but there's something to be said for having that intimate relationship with the area and understanding kind of the inner workings or having somebody that does. So there's a lot of different ways that you can mitigate those risks and look outside of that. We, we also live in a market that is uh, flooded and it's very tough to invest in yeah. right now. So we're looking elsewhere for opportunities mm-hmm. while we still look here, but we know that that's going to be a needle in the haystack, whereas there's plenty of opportunities to be had in some of the other markets that are around us, even that are in driving distance. So Absolutely. Yeah, I, lo- I love finding hidden opportunities. You know, a lot of times we target, uh, you know, a major city and then maybe one hour radius. And there's a lot of suburbs. There's a lot of opportunities, you know, as more people are able to uh, work remotely these days, but they still want to be in their hub city where all their family is. Right. And so, um, you know, that's kind of a, a little tip of, for finding great opportunities. Maybe pick a big city that you know really well. And then, you know, one hour radius. What are the opportunities in the sub markets outside that area? And then um, also, Cody, to your point, um, you know, I had mentioned this, uh, the house that, that we bought for 210 that went down to 150, that if we had still held on to it today, it'd be worth, you know, 425. Um, and, and so that's my only other regret. So selling real estate, <laughs> that is the only thing I, I wish that I had held on to more of what we had sold. Um, the purpose for selling, though, was that it essentially we weren't really getting much cash flow. And so Got that it. was one of the ones that you know, again, we, you know, we, we bought, uh, we had to, we had to get some experience somehow. Right. So if we hadn't bought that deal and gone through that experience and we probably wouldn't have the portfolio that we have today. And so I think that the other thing investors need to consider is don't be afraid to make mistakes because everyone makes them right. And if you can get them out early on, it's going to be less costly than, you know, later on. Right. And so a lot of investors ask, well, should I go big and start with bigger properties? You know, there's this, uh, you know, people out there say, oh, you should start with 100 units minimum. And unless you have a lot of experience or very experienced partners that you're working with, I think it's completely fine to start with single family or duplexes, even two to four units, I think is a really low risk investment that you can, you know, do the first one, see how it goes, and then just kind of build from there. Obviously, you know, you can do 1031 exchanges, you can scale up. There's a lot of ways to do that. But, you know, don't be afraid to just start small so you can start now, gain that experience so that you can do bigger deals in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Or even if you still want to do some bigger opportunities, you want to just try and bite that off right away, get a mentor. Absolutely. You know, yeah. get, pay, pay somebody to help you skip forward in that experience journey because you're borrowing mm-hmm. from their experience. And, and it, it can be costly, but it, it is oftentimes exponentially more valuable than whatever it is you're going to pay for that mentor with the lessons learned or even the potential savings for them catching a mistake that you would have made by just having them look over something. So 100%. I, 
I, I, I'm all in. Listen, folks, if, if you if you haven't been taking notes, I highly recommend you go back and listen to this one again. Jennifer's given us a ton of nuggets. Uh, Jennifer, I can't thank you enough for joining us and stealing some time away from your day and everything you got going on to, to be with us. I, I truly appreciate it. So I want to make sure for those that are listening, they want to work with you. They want to learn from you. Where's the best place folks can find you? Yeah. So you can go to our website. It's addicted to ROI.com. That's uh, where we put a lot of content out for beginner investors, people who maybe have a couple of rentals. And then also for investors who um, are kind of thinking about what's the next market to invest in or where should I be investing right now? So uh, yeah, the website has a lot of content and would love to connect if, if anyone has questions. Perfect. Well, Jennifer, again, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for stealing some time from that beautiful city that you're in. So uh, (laughs) very much appreciate that and all the knowledge you uh, gave us today. Thank you so much for having me, Cody. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. And thank you all for listening. We'll see everyone next time. You've been listening to the Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast with Cody Lewis. Be sure to subscribe today on your favorite podcasting platform so you can catch every episode of the Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast.